0: and we're going through verses 1 through 11. So if you would, just go ahead and open there, and we'll go ahead and read God's Word together. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All right, if you would, just go ahead and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning um, with hearts f- that are thankful. We, we pray to you because you are the one in authority, and Lord, we come to you with hearts that are thankful um, because we've been given the privilege of studying your word and knowing your character. And Lord, your character is good. You are faithful, loving, humble, gentle, long-suffering God. Lord, you are also a God of justice and truth and wrath. And in your foreknowledge, Lord, you, you came, you sent your Son to this earth for the sake of us being reconciled and having a right relationship with you. Lord, that we can now walk in hope and truth and freedom. Lord, I, I pray that as we study your word this morning that, that you would be glorified, that you would be highly exalted. Lord because you are worthy. Lord give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts that are are tender and obedient. Thank you for this morning in your name. Amen. All right. So last week we went through chapter 2 verses 3 of 3 and 4. They say do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves, that each of you look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. JT did a beautiful job in preaching those verses. I don't know about anybody else in the congregation, but it felt like he was talking directly to me almost the entire time. I was going, yep, okay, gotta grow in that, gotta work on that, okay, cool yep, God's truth is still alive and cuts in between the bone and marrow of all the hidden places of my heart. About regarding others is more important than yourselves. He talked about humility and having a servant's heart. He talked about the fact that we've received the fruit fruit of the Spirit because we've received the Holy Spirit as his sons and daughters, as believers. He talked about that, that joy and that freedom, that it is ours in Christ Jesus. And then he talked about submission to Christ, not to our culture. And then he kind of end-capped it all with being peacemakers. And I love that, that he explained it that way. Because how many times is it my selfish ambition or my pride <laughs> and not wanting to understand what David's perspective is that causes the contention here? That's never happened, but example, right? I, I have my perspective and my opinions and in comparison to seeking out the other's opinion or, or perspective In comparison to loving them well and seeking to hear them and understand them, what I tend to do is cancel culture. Well, you don't agree with me, therefore you're wrong, I'm right, let's move along. We see churches split over the colors of their carpet, red or green, does it matter? No. But in comparison to being peacemakers, in comparison to seeking to understand one another, all under the guise of worshiping God in unity with one heart, one mind, one purpose, we choose to divide. So that's what we were able to talk about last week on the land. Now, Paul, again, he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, which is a Greco-Roman city. It's been conquered, Romans moved in, but it's still Greek. Now, the Romans, were very prideful people. It was like like they say in, in Thai, I grew up in Thailand, they say in Thai that to be Thai is to be Buddhist and to be Buddhist is to be Thai. Take that example and put it into Roman, to be prideful is to be Roman, to be Roman is to be prideful. It's the same connotation. It was who they were. Now, they were prideful people, but when they engaged with the, the Greek culture, not only did they appreciate their gods, that's when they set up the Senate because that's how the, the Greek nations would function. So they, they took on their Senate. There's a lot of things that they intermixed together because they thought they were pretty cool. Okay, so you've got this prideful, polytheistic culture going on in Philippi. And that's really the context of what Paul is writing to here in chapter 2 in Philippians. Okay, so I just want to give like a little example. Again, it's a very polytheistic culture, right? Which means multiple gods. They worship multiple different gods. They even have a god of pride and a god of failure and a god of fear. Like They, they had many, many gods. So to explain this a little better, Paul talking about jesus christ the son or god the son coming into the form of man did not shock them because culturally many of their gods did that that as well in fact zeus the most powerful greek god did this a lot but there's a stark contrast zeus (laughs) When he came to earth, guess what his intentions were? His intentions were to abuse mankind for his own gain. Homer writes lots of stories. We all know him, had to read books in high school about him. He writes stories of Zeus coming down to earth because he wanted to have affairs. And in those affairs he'd, you know, be around but instead of being caught when his wife would come down to catch him in the act, there's multiple occasions one he turns a girl into a cow. You know, hope, oh, boom, you're a cow. My wife won't think anything of that. There's another one that he just incinerates a lady because he didn't want to get caught. If you're not here in ashes, she can't blame me for anything. Zeus is known for pursuing his daughters. Now, to us, it's shocking. It's gross. Come on. In their culture, Zeus is the most powerful God. He can do whatever the world he wants. And we as mankind cannot complain to him. Can't whine. It's not what it's about. He's the God. That's the culture Paul is writing this to. So let's dive into verses five through seven and just think culturally the context and the stark difference that Paul is writing here. Starting in verse five. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we have the contrast of the Greek gods coming down, being the the tallest, the best looking, the wealthiest, getting whatever they wanted, abusing mankind for the sake of their own gain. And then you have Christ who took the form of a servant, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, came humbly, And as we'll find out next week, in his humility, was willing to even die his death on a cross. The most shameful for the worst of criminals. We see Christ, we just went through the Gospel of John, we see Christ, he was humble in how he was born, was he not? He didn't come in all glorified, being born into a wealthy family. He came with a woman who was accused of adultery because no one understood how she could be pregnant. Wasn't even allowed to have Jesus in an adequate home. She had him in a manger with a bunch of animals. That's how Christ came into the world. We see that in his ministry, his triumphal entry, as we call it, he came in on the cult of a donkey, not on a chariot with horses. That time will come. But what he did is he came in on the very symbol of servitude. That's how he began his ministry. We see in his death, he died a criminal's death on a cross. In verse 5, it says, having this mind among yourselves, having the mind of Christ, specifically Paul is talking about how Jesus was willing to give up his glory, to give up his rights and his privilege as God the Son. He humbled himself to become a man and to die on a cross. He didn't give up his position in the Godhead. That is not what I'm saying. He didn't give up being the Son of God. What he did give up was his glory. What he did give up was his privileges and the rights that he attains by being God the Son. He set aside that glory, the same glory that when Moses saw it on the back of God passing by, it made his face glow for days and he had to wear a veil because it terrified people. He set aside that same glory that when just for a brief moment, when he, received, when he revealed himself in the Shekinah glory, it brought the three disciples to their knees. Jesus laid aside those rights and privileges. Jesus gave this up. Why? He gave it up for us. Jesus, Jesus gave himself up, or those attributes of himself, as an expression of love and humility. As Jesus put himself uh, in uh, John fifteen thirteen, no one has greater love than to give his life for another. Those are Jesus' words to mankind. So Paul is cha- here Paul is challenging the church in Philippi as well as those who are reading this letter like us today to think like this, to have this mindset. To be willing to lower ourselves, our desires, our needs for the benefit of another. That is how we can be of the same mind. That is how we can... Oh, lost my place. That is how we can be of the same mind, uh, maintaining the same love and intent on the same purpose. By, w- mi- by being willing to make our own interests in the purpo- and purposes subservient to the good of another, to lift them up to Christ. As I was studying, you know, the going through this passage, the thing that sticks out the most is the humility of Christ. And honestly, it seems like kind of a basic thing, right? Oh yeah, be humble, duh. Said how many times in the Bible? But for me, as I was studying it, the the difficulty in grasping the fullness of Christ's humility is that I have a finite mind. I don't understand an everlasting God, an all-powerful God in fullness. I understand what he's written in Scripture, and even then I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of who he really is and what he's really done on our behalf. And then he's challenging me to have this mindset just like him, and I'm going, I'm not sure. I mean, I can try, but usually when I try, it ends up in epic failure. We see that my struggle is actually really common. Mark 9:33 through 35 argument between the disciples. Who is the greatest? And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, "What were you discussing on the way?" But they kept silent, for on the way they argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down and called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last and a servant of all. Now, not only is he alluding to the fact that he is the first. Because he is a servant to all. That he is the firstborn among all the brothers and sisters. But he's also giving us great instruction as people who call ourselves disciples, ambassadors, sons and daughters of God, that our mind sh- mindset should be set like Christ. We see later in the book of Philippians that Paul even challenges uh, Iodia and Syntice to walk in unity, to listen to each other, to walk in unity for the glory of God. This is a challenge that is extremely applicable to us today. We need to let this mind be in us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. That verbiage is incredible to me. Because so many times I do not feel like I am capable or even want to serve people. I'm not like Larry who does it in spades. He's the, one of the first guys <laughs> You got something wrong? Yep, I'm there. What do you need? Jerry. Spades. Always oh, there. Always oh, willing. Even if he's like, you know, this is kinda of hard for me. Doesn't matter. Ethan, Trokey, another guy. He he actually specifically served me in a way that was super meaningful. And Life Group are sitting talking about life and I was going through struggles. I had a few things go on, and then on top of it, for the cherry on top, my lawnmower went out. And it's like, I don't need this right now. I've got too much going on. That's kind of all that was said, you know, just pray that I can figure out what's wrong with it. Two days later, we're putting our four children to bed, and I hear a lawnmower just, just tearing around the yard. And I was like, what is going on? I figured it was my neighbor, and I was going to tell him, like, hey, you're, like, 80 years old. You don't need to be out mowing my lawn. Like, go to bed. And I walk out, and it's Ethan zipping through my yard, Mach 10 on his mower. And I walked out and I was like, you know, kind of, what are you doing, dude? He's like, sorry, trying to go fast. Didn't want to wake up your kids. I know you're probably putting them to bed. Julia said that if I wake them up, Tori and her are gonna have something to say to me. And honestly, guys, like as funny of a story as that is, it hit me where I, where I needed to be hit. That he, after working a super long day all the way up in Mount Vernon, Drove down, mowed the church's property, and then thought to himself, "Hey, I've got a mower that works." Tony said, "His lawn is really long. I'll go mow his hayfield." Was it convenient? No. It's not convenient to load and unload a mower and make random stops to help ran or a brother in Christ. Right? That's what he did. That's a selfless or not selfish, selfless, sacrificial, and serving mind. And that's what Paul is encouraging and exhorting not only the Philippian believers reading this letter, but also us. That we would transform our mind into the image of Christ, as Romans twelve two says. To go back to Christ, because that's really what this passage is about. Scholars call it the hymn of Christ. That's what they've titled this passage, the hymn of Christ, because it is only singing about him and his praise. The the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the perfect example of his divine or supreme humility. He left his glory and came in the form of a servant, he was used by the crowds. As we studied, thousands of people following him because they wanted to see his next miracle of food. So he was used by the crowds for their personal gain. He was hated by the religious leaders, the very ones who proclaimed to love him. He was betrayed by his closest friends in the garden. He was sold by Judas after washing his feet. He was scourged, beaten, and murdered on the cross for us. He was forsaken by the Father. He received the Father's wrath for us. And he did it all while we were yet enemies. If that's not a perfect example of regarding one higher than yourself, then I don't know what is. Church, we are supposed to be reflectors of who Christ is. That's what an ambassador is. This is my king's will, and I am the one expressing that to those around Now culturally, culturally what it says is I have to be the loudest to make sure I get noticed. I have to say my own opinion, otherwise it won't get heard. I have to take care of myself because if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I take care of other people? Now some of those things are true. (laughs) If you're not taking care of yourself, like if Tori doesn't get sleep, guess what? She doesn't take care of anybody. Not because she's not willing, but because physically she's exhausted and can't. If I'm feeling sick, guess what? I need to rest. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to take care of my family, right? So they are true. But a lot of times we exaggerate them into, I need my me time of seven and a half hours a day to make sure that I'm capable of investing for the, the 30 minutes at, uh, you know, men's group. Well, that's not true. A lot of times we even do this with our freedoms. Well, I'm allowed, so I'm gonna just keep doing it. Even if it makes that person stumble, me continuing to do it, I'm going to justify it by saying me doing it is going to actually allow them to grow and not feel so touchy about this. Instead of being willing to lay aside even my freedoms that that I don't feel convicted about, but, but to lift my brother up, should I not be willing to lay that freedom aside? Christ was a perfect example for us. He came in the likeness of men and he did it all for the sake of me to be lifted up to know him more so that I could walk in freedom so that my heart would be one of flesh and not stone so that I could be transferred from one kingdom to another so that I could walk with hope in my life in comparison to to the death, the, the destruction that the adversary has for me. That's what Christ did for me, and he did it all the way to the point of death on a cross. And I have a hard time, after a long day of work, going, Hey, Tori, can I do the dishes for you? When in reality, what I want to do is sit down. And guys, we all have examples like that, where we sit here and we go, Well, okay, but, and we justify. In comparison to letting our minds be transformed to the mind of Christ who had everything gave it up for the purpose of lifting me so that I could gain everything. When I read this, it honestly just makes me go, oh Lord, thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for the goodness of your gospel that you came for me. A lowly, wretched, selfish man. Lord, teach me to be more like you. Transform my mind, renew it with the truth of your word so that I can submit my life to not only your lordship, but also walk obediently. Why? Because, church, there's lost people. Because even within our own congregation, people need that service, they need that love, they need that humility to stop regarding me as more and start regarding you and your needs as more. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. If you want to go ahead and turn there and just read that together because I, I think this passage just really beautifully sums up what Christ did for us. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Church, he loves us. Again, seems so basic. Why are we talking about the rudimentary things of the faith? Because in renewing our minds talking about these basic things, guess what? Like it says in Ephesians, No one can fully understand or grasp the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of God's love for us. So it may seem basic. It may be one of those things that, why are we talking about this again? Christ came to earth for the sake of you because he loves you, because he regards you as higher than himself. He came because he desired you to be a part of his family. He desired to use you and your skills for the sake of glorifying his name and advancing his gospel. That's why he came. He came to reconcile you to the Father so that you could have life and hope. This is the love that Paul is encouraging the church to walk in. And how I got from love to humility—you're not going to be humble with someone that you don't love. Not in our flesh. I know it's convicting to say that, and it's convicting for me to even hear myself say that. But it's the truth. Love others as you love yourself—that's a big ask. Yet, when I look at the example of Christ and what Paul is talking about here, he loved me so much that he gave up everything. Again, conviction for me. Because I don't give up everything, even for the sake of the woman that I love dearest. It takes time in loving one another. To be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. It takes time for patient endurance when you've been investing and investing and investing. And the person you're investing in just doesn't seem to get it. It takes love when you already feel like your plate is way too full and someone asks something else to lay aside your plate to go help them with theirs. It takes it takes love to forgive when you've been hurt by someone even within your own body, even within your own family. And we get to look at this and know that even in ba- just back to Philippians 1.6, it says, he's going to transform our minds into the image of Christ until the day of his return. Like what a privilege that Christ is doing all of that on my behalf so that I get to walk in that. And I get to show to the best of my ability people the love of Christ. Now, I don't do it in spades. It's an area of growth for me. But I get to walk knowing that in those moments I get to go say, you've given me your mind, so help me function in this. You've given me a new mind, a new heart, a new life, a new kingdom. Now let me walk in this truth. Instead of focusing on the things that that I want to say I'm not good at, so here's my excuse, I'm not going to do it. And go, no, you said this. This is who you are and what you've done on my behalf. Now allow me to function in this truth. If If I believe the identity of who Christ is and believe the identity that he calls me, and what he said he's done on my behalf and what he's given me, should I not walk in that truth by faith? That though I feel spent, say, no, Lord, I trust you to strengthen my weak knees so that I can go serve this brother or sister in Christ. To when I don't feel so bold to say, no, Lord, you said that I'm an ambassador for you. So I feel really uncomfortable, but I'm going to go have this conversation about the gospel with this person because you know what? They need to hear it too. Paul is calling us to action, church, or the Holy Spirit is calling us through God's word, (laughs) through Paul's writing to action. to in humility love one another for the purpose of glorifying God and advancing his kingdom. And at the end of these verses, it says, because he's worthy. Something that I've, I've grown to love over the years is the Moravian church motto. And it, it says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, but in everything, love. I love that because there are a few things that are essential. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died and that He's the only way to heaven, guess what? I'm not going to be unified with you in that. I will argue with you on that because Scripture explains something very, very different. Now, in the non-essentials, for me, if you want to come and shorts and a t-shirt to church, go for it. I probably will too, I'm not one of the guys who likes to dress up. Well, if you wanna come in a three-piece suit, if that's how you wanna worship the Lord, go ahead. It's a non-essential for me. You're worshiping the Lord the way you feel convicted? Good job being obedient to your convictions. I might have a conversation with you, (laughs) understand why but it's a non-essential. I don't need to make a big stink about it because you're different than me. We're a body. We all have different parts and different functions. I'm not going to tell Ethan that, well, mowing the lawn, it just there's other things that you should do that would be better serving. No, that guy mows the lawn faithfully. And he lo- as far as I understand, though it can be annoying at times, enjoys serving the church in that way. I like mowing lawn, (laughs) not that much. (laughs) Denver, a life group leader. That guy is so good at meeting people and listening to them. I'm not that guy. I'm not gonna go tell Denver how to do it right. Because I don't know. I've got a lot to learn from him in that. Sorry, I went a little sidetracked there. I guess in that, church, let's let's walk with one mind, with one purpose, with one goal. We've got it, not there, but our freshwater slogan, glorify God, advance the gospel. We have the privilege of being able to be his children, his ambassadors, his representatives. And as we engage and move into Tom Watkins a little more, and the Lord allows us to meet people in the neighborhood, let's take those opportunities to invest. Because they need to hear this good news too. With your life groups, engage with one another. Don't be scared to say your needs or say where you're at. That's why we're here. It's not about judging. It's about engaging and walking in unity. And that unity is pointing one another towards Christ for the purpose of glorifying him. And church, uh, the last thing I'll leave you with is let's do this with a heart of thankfulness. Prayer is a recognition of God's authority. Thankfulness is a recognition of God's character. I know He's a faithful God. I know He's a loving God. I know that He left His place on high for the sake of dying a criminal's death on a cross so that I could be reconciled to the Father. I know that He loves me. I know that He's given me everything that pertains to the life of godliness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And because of that, it does make me have a thankful heart for what the Lord's done on my behalf. But in that thankfulness, it not only promotes me to remain humble, because guess what, I'm undeserving of every bit of that. So it keeps me humble, it keeps me walking in an attitude of humility when my perspective is correct. But it also promotes joy, because I am undeserving, and yet I've been given. He's lavished his grace upon me. He's giving me everything I need. And I get to walk in that freedom and that hope. So I know at times it's hard. I know at times it's difficult. I know at times we have the I can't or I don't want to attitudes. Let's refocus our minds, renew our minds to what Christ has done for us. That he gave up his glory for the sake of you unless walk in that. I love you guys. In in church, uh, I, I guess here's the really the last thing. I actually feel like we're doing pretty good in this. I I shared a few stories with a few people and a few names. But you know how much of this stuff goes on behind closed doors? church, it's cool to see you guys serve one another, love one another, and care for one another. I'm not saying this to call anybody out. I'm saying this to encourage us. It sounds like the Philippian church was also doing well in this, but just because we may be doing well doesn't mean that we can become lazy or, oh, well, we're good. Let's not talk about it. So be encouraged, but continue pressing on. Okay? If you would, just go ahead and pray with me.